Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. It's that time of the week again. The Rugby League rant, fifth and last. Put on your headgear, chuck in your mouth guard and get ready for an hour of nothing but NRL talk. And here we are with another week of the fifth and last NRL podcast. Boxhead, what's doing? Not much, buddy. Not much. Not long to go now in the football season. Getting close to finals time. A couple of rounds away and we kick things off as we always do first up with our set of six. Any topics, opinions or anything we would like to talk to you about. Brought to you by bluebet.com.au. If you're going to have a bet with anyone, do it with bluebet.com. Uh, no win again, unfortunately, for the charity account on the weekend. So still sitting at $742.50. But hopefully get something this weekend. If you're going to have a bet, do it with bluebet.com.au. Download the app today or visit the website. Tackle number one. Um, obviously something that's been talked about a lot this week and it's something that needs to be talked about more often. Um, unfortunately, the loss of Paul Green at age 49. Um has rocked a lot of people in the game and I, I guess the common theme around this topic is, you know, all these people who were close to him or around him or know him saying that they had no idea or they'd spoke to him a couple of days ago or seen him at the Sharks farewell or spoke to him a week back and had zero inkling and I guess that's the whole point again. Like you just never know what's going on in someone's head. Like it doesn't discriminate. It's one of these things it's been a bit taboo for a long time, especially on the men's side of thing and I think men's suicide's one of the most prevalent you know, uh, things in Australia and, and probably in other countries as well. But um, it, it's it's a very, very sad occurrence. Yeah, it is. Yeah, the black dog. Um, hard to comment, hard to make sense of it, hard to, uh, hard to really have a, have a strong feeling other than it's tragic. It's, it's tragic that his two children are going to have to, you know, bury their dad. Uh, his wife is going to have to, you know, bury a, husband and just probably probably think about you know why and how this could have been prevented you know I think it just it forces you sort of into a little bit of a reflection on your own life and yeah like you say that there's there's probably people out there struggling that you don't really know and that they are so mm. yeah uh, just to just rugby league aside like I don't I know there's been a lot made of his contribution to rugby league, which is fantastic, but it's just a, it's a tragedy for his family. I think that that's the strongest strongest part of this for me. The the photos or the the videos and the clips of when they won the competition and then seeing how young his kids were, it's uh yeah, it's hard to hard to make sense of how he thought this was this was the solution, but until you walk him, you know. A mile in someone's shoes, you've got no idea what, what they're going through. And I think this probably just is a perfect example of that, unfortunately. 
Yep, and uh, speaking of those contributions, like you said, to rugby league, he played for Queensland, Australia, um, obviously for a few clubs, the Roosters, the Broncos, the Sharks, the Cowboys, the Eels, and then that moment you spoke of, 2015, he brought the Cowboys their first premiership, made another grand final run in 2017, and uh, last year coached Queensland. So there, there wasn't much he didn't do as in the game as a player or a coach. He basically covered all bases. Yeah. Um, but like Most said, coaches and players would sign off for, for all of a career. But, yeah, um, like Paul's as a player and, and as a coach. I think the strong point again, and we talked about a little bit this during COVID and not to this extent, I guess, or getting to this level, but at the end of the day, the biggest loss isn't the rugby league side of things. It's that two kids and a wife have lost their father. Mm. Um, so it's for horrible. anybody out there, again, we spoke about it a lot during COVID, people struggling with business or isolation or all those sort of things. If you are struggling, talk to somebody. Uh, I'm sure everybody struggled. At some point, I'm more than happy to say that I've struggled at times and I've got you to talk to. I've got friends. That's the best way, I guess, to try and deal with it and hope that that can help. If, if you've got even bigger problems than that, talk to your GP. Ring Beyond Blue. Talk to Lifeline. Got you for life. There, there's so many other services out there right now, but I just think for, for some people, like I said, it never really comes to the surface and that seems to be the case in this situation where no one had an absolute clue or any inkling at all, yeah. which is really, really sad. But he did. Yeah, he did. Really, you know, really and you sad. can just the saddest part for me is yeah how yeah the emotions that he must have been feeling and how how down he must have been and yeah just how awful it would have been to to be walking around in his shoes. Yeah, yeah, it's horrible. Yeah, rest in peace, Paul Green. Um, tackle two. Cameron Serraldo finally done. Gus done one of his, again, specials where he's lied and poked and prodded and there's been photos and evidence the whole way along and it was pretty obvious what was going on, but they've now announced it. It's a five-year deal. Um, pretty incredible, I think, to give that long. I know there'd probably be clauses along the way or other things or set payouts or whatever. But, yeah, you can say um, what you want, but that's that's the only way he was going to sign. At the end of the day, they've got their man or he's got the man he's obviously after. Um your thoughts now that this is signed, sealed, and delivered? Expectations. Well, the proof, proof will be in the pudding. That's it's simple as that. You don't know. You you look at a lot of these coaches that come out of good systems or perceived good systems, and they go into clubs where I guess success, you know, hasn't been seen for a period of time, which like the Bulldogs and. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how he goes about it because I think Trent Barrett had some ideas on how he was going to go about it and it didn't really come to fruition because, uh, you know, he probably thought he was just going to take a lot of the things that he learnt and that worked at Penrith and, and implement them at Canterbury. Look, I think the, the biggest issue here is head coach aside, they need to they need to sort out their pathways and I think Phil Gould's got a, he's got a track record of being able to do that. So... I think it'll just be whether Serraldo can hang around long enough to see the fruits of the pathway and what the path- pathways will eventually breed. Whether he can make it to that point or not, uh, whether the roster that they're going to have next year is going to be good enough, I'm, I'm not too sure. We'll see. You know, they've got Kikau and Mar- uh, Marnie going there, which will, which will help. I, I, I really don't know. I don't know what to make of it. I think he deserves his opportunity. I'm, I'm okay with that. But now it's mm, you're in the you're in the big boy seat now. And the one thing that you know, I spent ten years at the Panthers and then went elsewhere. 
it's a very different world out there coaching at a different club, particularly at a club that isn't used to success, doesn't have the same resources as Penrith, doesn't have the same play depth as Penrith, doesn't um, necessarily have the recent history of success either. So these are some, some things he's going to have to overcome. I think the biggest part in this is going to be staff. Who he gets on as assistant coaches. One thing I know about Serraldo, having worked under him, is that he's very hands-on. He likes to he likes to coach himself. So I, I think that'll be of benefit. I, you know, the, the the part of head coaching that is probably hardest for me, and I know I'm, not that it's hard for Serraldo, but you you really need to learn how to delegate and trust other people. And um, you know, I I know I have a hard time doing that. And I've certainly got a lot better with it. Uh, so it'll be yeah, vitally important that he gets people there that he trusts and that he, and he knows it can do the job that he wants them to do up to the standard that he that he think is required because he's not going to be able to be everywhere and be everything to everyone. That's that's the biggest thing. And I guess the, the role that he's got at Penrith is it's, it's specialised. I know he's, he stepped in and he's done some you know head coaching when... Ivan's been crook or when, you know, they moved Anthony Griffin on. But it's very, very different doing it week in, week out, session after session, and then being poked, prodded, pulled, have your phone ring off the hook, player managers, contracts, salary caps, uh, promotional dues, and then all the coaching and, and the management of staff that goes on top of that, management of players, players' personal issues, all the all the things that push and pull you in different directions, I think. Yeah, it's 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 going to be a, a steep learning curve, particularly at a club that's, yeah, at this point in time, they're not going as well as what they would like. Oh, I think Gus yeah. is an ally. Uh, you know, yeah, well, the, until he, he's not an ally, he's been, has, he's been an has, ally for a few people, yeah. as I was going to say. And the the, the part yeah. I found funny from the start to now, and I'm not knocking it, is obviously they, they the way they spoke about it was that Serrano and Barrett were really really close, and that he probably wouldn't follow him into this job. And what do you know? He's ended up in well, the job that Barrett left the seat from and others yeah. prior. So we're going to, the proof's going to be in the pudding. But I think the one thing for me, early on in the year, um, taking this job, and I, like he was never going to take it immediately, you probably would have looked at it and thought the expectations are probably going to be low. But I think after what Potsy's just delivered in this sort of space of time, what you've seen that he's been able to get out of Flanagan, Burton, Fox, and, you know, what what's there and the, the back line in particular, Shop and Karaz and finding some good bits and pieces there. And then what's coming on top? I don't think he's going to get, you know, let off with a, a pass from fans and those alike, especially with the hype that's been around him. If he turns up and they end up in the bottom four again, mm. I think given what's coming in the door, the hype that is around him and what Potsy's managed to do on the back end of the year, that they have to be sort of on the fringe of the eight. I, I disagree with that. I think, I just think well, next year will just be a different year. It's it's a different year, no yeah, doubt. But. It'll be a different year and you'll have different things that'll impact their season next year and Mick's done an outstanding job, I think. If Potter can't find an NRL gig as an assistant somewhere for next season, it just shows you you know, the value that they place on experienced head coaches. Well, what he's done around this group, I don't know necessarily whether it's Serraldo picking his staff or Gus having a bit to do with that and Gus will definitely help with a lot of those other things you said contracts managers and mm, I'm sure I, I don't think I don't think Gus will have much to do with Serraldo's staff mm. but well, I think that has been part of the stipulation would have been 
Michael Maguire has been seeked out by mm. them and Parramatta. There may have been a point, so. a, a point of, okay, Cameron, this is your offer, this is your contract, this is the terms, these are the guys that you have to have on your staff, then you can you can pick the rest. Maybe that was part of the part of the deal. Uh, but I, I know that Seraldo and Mick Potter wouldn't wouldn't really know each other if they fell over each other. So that that's probably my concern for Mick is that Serato's probably going to want people there that he knows and he trusts. Well, that's the other question I probably have from the Penrith side of things. Penrith are pretty confident he's not going to try and take players. Well, I disagree. You go back to the well but, of what you know. Hang on a minute. Like, he's entitled to... The, the Bulldogs are entitled to sign whoever they want if yeah. they're off contract. My so point to is... to say that you're poaching players, like, they're not... They're not po- he's that. not poaching players. They've brought up the, the point. If the players leave and they've got a right to leave, then they can do whatever they want. They brought up the point of what happened with Wayne Bennett leaving South and making that agreement that he wouldn't take players within 12 months or yeah. anything like that. But yeah. at the end of the day, you generally go back to the well you know. So if they're after some juniors yeah. or some fringe guys or, you know, of course there's probably going to be players that are going to be interested but in They're also not this. going to be the only, the only club after no. Penrith Juniors. But he's obviously got a little bit of extra knowledge. So like I said, when clubs say this... I think it's stuff, not knowledge, it's relationships. He's got The advantage he's got is that he has strong bonds and relationships with those Penrith players. That's the advantage he's got. Yeah, but but in also, the end, they're not going to go there and take unders. No, no. They've also got an insight, what I'm saying, into some of the other guys there that others may not know about or may not have as much yeah. of an inkling to. Maybe. I think that was sort of the point that was made yesterday. I'm like, if you don't think people go back to the well of where they've been, especially if you're a place yeah, like but, that but, where but, people are crawling over the top of each other to try and get opportunity. In saying that, he also doesn't have the inside running on the other 15 clubs, players that people don't know about. No, so exactly. that's there's those players that exist in but every from a club. starting point for people to think you know he's not going to take anyone or not look at anyone from Penrith you're kidding yourself he's going to look at somebody yeah we'd well, be looking at every club but he yeah. should be doing his due diligence across the league interesting to see how the staff pans out like you said um, if they don't keep Mick in some capacity I think you know well look put it this way we'd love to have crazy. him back at Mounties yeah but I'm we'd love to have him back him at Mounties and a lot, of, a lot of people have sort of said to me in the last few days since Serato got the Bulldogs job. Obviously, there's a shuffle down. You know, like is is Mick going to come back and coach at Mounties? And what does that look like? And you know, what does that do for my position? Like, in the end, Mick got promoted to an NRL job, and he's done a good job in that NRL job. And I got promoted because Mick got promoted. So, yeah, look, I don't know what next year looks like. It we're not really worried about that because we've got two games left this year, and I'm enjoying the the job that I'm in. I don't know Mick. Mick is thoroughly enjoying his experience. In his second tenure as a, albeit an interim coach, but he's a he's an NRL coach. But yeah, look in the end, he's uh, a lot of the fruits. You know, people sort of saying, "But you've won a lot of games since he's left." Well, yeah, but he's also gone and won a lot of games at the Bulldogs, and he's he's demonstrated that he can have success at that level. With a side that up until he took them over, wasn't going that great either. So. Yeah, look, I think this year it was um, good timing, I think. Good timing for, for me to take over at Mounties and good timing for him to take over at, at the Bulldogs because we've both seen a little uptick in in form. And, look, he's been fantastic to me and I'd, I'd love to, to work with him again. I, I don't have an issue with Mick coming back to Mounties. I think it'll certainly make our coaching team there strong. But for him, I hope that he, he stays in NRL then because I know that's what he wants. Like, he, he wants a job in footy full time like I do like you know most aspiring coaches do so I, I really hope that that comes to fruition because I think he's certainly demonstrated that he's quite capable of you know having a positive impact and a, and a, a good influence on an NRL team like he has this year 
Well, I think, again, for the staff, whatever he's assembling, a Maguire or a Potter would be the perfect sort of person, I think, to have in your first tenure. That's just my opinion. Maguire's obviously won a comp, been to England, been to different situations now, obviously having experienced the Tigers and mix him with the deal. Mix played, coached overseas, coached here, been at the top, been at the bottom. He's seen everything. So I think for a it's it's good to have somebody like that with you. I would only want one. I wouldn't want Mick and... No, I'm not saying both. Maguire. I said one of those. Like yeah, a one veteran. Off, yeah. Definitely. I don't think Definitely. you could do it, go wrong by having somebody of either of their ilk alongside you in your first <clears> game. <throat> Agree. And then if he's got somebody, like you said, within Penrith or within coaching that he's worked with again, who's younger and aspiring that he wants there for a specific role for one of the other assistant spots, so I think that's a good way to start off. Mm, but agree. the proof's going to be in the pudding. Like I said, there's been a lot of talk. There's been a lot of hype for now. We've seen it in the past. It's it's never a sure thing with an assistant, which is, I guess, why a lot of people, like we it's, said... I don't think some, the Canterbury situation isn't so much the coach. I, I personally don't think. I think it's roster. They need a better roster. They need better depth. That That's my humble opinion. Mm. Right, look, coach is important, clearly. Well, he's got five years to do that, so... Mm. And, mm. yeah, we'll see what happens. But there you go. That's finally been confirmed. Cameron Serrato is the Bulldogs' coach. Tackle three. Um, a short one, but more just the irony and the craziness of football about the swings and roundabouts and sporting karma with the Dragons' Raiders' result in the end. Well, so I thought the strangest part of this was the fact that Graham Annesley comes out and says that there wasn't a penalty. Yeah. Well, in his press conference. Because in the original at Wollongong when... It was Canberra that felt like they were dotted. He came out and said, yeah, it was a clear penalty. But yet this time he said it wasn't a penalty. Yeah, whether he's playing it down or not. I think live a lot of people thought there was a hand in there or whatnot, but I just mm. found it crazy again how rugby league works. And Yeah, no, I it's, agree it's with the irony how, of the situation you know, and the teams and the last play and all that sort of stuff. The but symmetry. I was, I was like, I how just, the hell don't you see that as a penalty? And then I, I work with one or two Dragons fans who complain to me during the week. I'm like, seriously? You know, like, we should have been golden point. Well, the last one should have been golden point too. That's, that's, right. that's the yeah. funny part, but... I just wouldn't have expected that to be the situation. And it was another example, again, of the Dragons left their run too late, decided to play some footy, and Canberra, again, so hot and cold. Patches in games looking mm-hmm. outstanding, and they look awful. But yeah, I Well, just Canberra needed it, two points, and they got it. So yeah, just crazy sometimes how things work out in rugby league. But Definitely. that one was just ironic. Very, very ironic. Tackle four, um, it just doesn't stop coming for Newcastle out here the other day, obviously. Just about the whole situation. Suddenly now the Clemmer thing looks like it's been wiped inside and it's all happy families. And then you've got Ponga and Man coming out of the cubicle yesterday, followed not long after with Tuala and Bradman Best being late for a bus and being stood down this week. And now it's come out that they've been drug tested and then the blow up to follow that from the players union today that that's supposed to be confidential. But like anything in rugby league, it seems like uh, that information got out there very, very quickly. So, What information got out there quickly? About the drug testing, supposed to be confidential. The, the drug test is waiting there. Yeah. yeah. And target testing, and they're angry about that. Oh, I, 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 look, and I heard a couple of players well, saying that's wrong, but don't, I'm going to throw it out there. Like, don't you put, put yourself in exactly. that dumb situation. If you put yourself in that fucking situation, you deserve to be tested. Like, what do you think they're doing? Yeah. For the integrity of the game in itself, for you to say, oh, you were sick. Oh, it's not so much about like, that. Lads, it's that. You've now made it public, so they need to be seen to be doing yeah, something. They, they, They've come out now, and even the story's got muddied. They said, you know, he's sick and he's been out celebrating. The pub or the venue itself, the information's now come out. They're only there for about 25 minutes. And they weren't that intoxicated. So, and again... They were only there funnily for Funnily enough, someone minutes. said on the TV tonight, but unless they're in there making out or doing anything else, well, I think it's pretty obvious when you walk out with your drinks in 
the modern world for anyone who goes to pubs and clubs, what a lot of people go into bathroom stalls together to do. So I, I just don't like to, to be bothered. I don't like that it's news. I really don't I, care. Neither do I, but for, I'm more I think talking, if they're stupid enough to get to take drugs and then get busted, then I'm talking about this more for Newcastle. That the, oh, of course, the just it's ridiculous. And the, the bigger point I want to draw from this, and I said this at the time, the whole way his contract situation was handled to me reeked of you know too much ego and self-importance, and the way his dad handled it, and the whole transaction between him and the Dolphins and that text message saying, you know about the media, and then the next day he's sitting at a table in a press conference. I yeah. think they made a mistake, and as rough as this may sound to some people, I don't know if this is enough of a breach in the contract for now, given the way that the NRL testing system works, even if he was in breach the first time, supposed to just be counselling and kept confidential, but it's obviously... I know what you're alluding to with this. My, my illusion here is, regardless of whether you think it's rough or not, the way they're heading right now, this guy's supposed to be your captain your leader, your best player, your difference maker. And Newcastle are in the doldrums. They really are in the doldrums. And I thought this was a mistake from the start. But $1.2 million for this guy, if this is a free out or as rough as it is and clubs and players do this stuff at times when they see fit or when it suits their circumstances, if I'm Newcastle, I'd be exiting this if there was any way I to couldn't, burn I couldn't this disagree, I couldn't disagree more. That's just my opinion. Because I, I don't disagree with the sentiment. I, I just don't see... If you do that, who are you then going to get? Who's going to fill that void? Well, I honestly, looking at that side of things, looking at the coaching side of things, I think there's going to be a lot of change coming in the next 12 to 18 months. So I don't disagree with that. I'm just, yeah, I'm looking at that now. At the time, I thought it was a mistake, but even, even more so now with the actions that have followed. I think bigger than that. Like, that that to me is a bit of a cop-out. I, I really just think they need a baseball bat in there. I think they, they need someone to a take a baseball bat. bat and just take to the joint for... And I'm not even sure you can do it this season. This season's a write-off. Forget about this season. You're not salvaging, and you're not going to implement standards in the next three weeks. Well, what are you it's not going to happen. What are you salvaging so what really? Next... What? Well, no. My point is, is that to kick off next off season, you can set some standards. You can hold people accountable. We've well, had three years to do that. Like we I all, understand we all that. Kicked I understand Brown that. When he was down, but he did a lot of dirty work and got him back to a decent position. Adam O'Brien yeah. coming after a ten-year apprenticeship, and it's gone backwards. It's gone so backwards this say year. Say what you will about it. It's gone backwards this year. Brent. The last two years, they were, they were going okay. In the same spot. But really, down. they need to... Uh, my point is that all this to- all this shit talk about, well, you know, they need to, um, you know, set some standards and yada. Look, this season's gone. You're not implementing standards at this point in time, particularly when you've allowed a certain type of behaviour to go for a period of time. You're not wanting them back in now, particularly when there's no, there's no carrot for the players. The carrot for the players is the end of the season. They 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 they've checked out. They know they can't play finals, particularly the players who've got a contract for next year. They they're not thinking about you know upholding standards really. Like they're thinking about just getting in and getting out for the next three weeks and moving on to next year. I think day one of next year's preseason or whenever it is that the is their first formal team activity for next season. He needs to take an absolute baseball bat to the to the joint because that's when you're going to get to set the standards for the next year and that's when he's really going to jump on this I think organisationally I agree that they should be jumping on it now and the standards that they allow now are the standards that they're going to uh, I guess encourage and enable for the rest of the foreseeable future but from a coaching perspective I really think he's in he's between a rock and a hard place and you're cutting your nose off to spite your face because they've got no players and then they're 
they're basically punting players that would otherwise be playing in the NRL when they've got really no depth there. Like we saw that two weeks ago. We, this is the thing, though. They don't... We've got no NRL players fed back to us at Mounties, and we led Newcastle in New South Wales Cup 22-0. But they can't say they don't have NRL players. This, this is a... This no, is, they do. This is But the what I'm issue. saying is they don't have depth. They don't have quality depth. They've got two front rowers that have played Origin in the last two years in the Twin Brothers. They've paid Clemmer big dollars, Frizzell big dollars, Barnett. They paid a stack to get Gagai. Best was supposed to be the next big and thing. And who's coming in? So this is the whole point. Like, what, what, what's happened? Where's the progress? Where's all this sort of stuff you've just talked about? Again, is also... It's not a player thing, but right, it's so also I've come up with a fix. Thing. What's your fix? Well, I think the fix, again, like the, the money they've spent, what, 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 are we, what are we doing? What are they standing for? So you for? get rid of Ponga. What's next? What are you standing for? Like, they let him dictate all the situation. It's pretty clear the, what the they situation. stand for. They, they've got a lack of discipline there. You're not going to salvage that right now. That's no, not going to happen. you're not going to salvage that right now. You're not going to. That's my point. But I And think... he, he, on best form, he was man of the match in Origin 3. He can yeah, play. That's the problem. So we... how do you get that out of him? Because if you flush him, you're, what you're telling me is that... This is another... You, you don't have the institutional strength or the strength as an organisation to get the best out of marquee players. What does that say to other marquee players that you're potentially trying to sign? Well, I don't know. You're not going to you're not going to attract them, mate. Yeah, well, they've, they've done enough. To and your off field, your on field is going to be worse. So you're going to be even less of a, a landing spot for for potential players. Well, I think Caelan Ponga, whether you like it or not, is is a is a carrot for the Newcastle Knights. Well, I'd be interested, provided to know... that he's playing well. So they need to they need to get him playing well. They're I'd be interested well. to know how he's viewed by his teammates and by people in general at the club now and fans. Oh, well, I think if you know the answer to that. You know the answer to that. He would be a big fan. You know the answer to that. Then one hundred percent. I know if I was a player in that group, I wouldn't be a big fan. But that's not that. That doesn't mean you sack him. I'm just saying for them. I I think it was a mistake. The way things. But I bet you, if he was, if he was playing and he was getting three DLM points every week, they'd have a different perception. He's not, and he hasn't been. So that's that's the point. Prior to these issues, like landing at this contract was baffling, but. I just think for them, to me, this unfortunately... What was it baffling? There's plenty of players stealing a wage in the NRL. This, unfortunately for me, is starting to feel like another one of these guys that, you know, we, we saw it with your mob had, Nate Miles, one of these guys that's there. And, oh, it's not... No, when they get to Mike. Queensland, and you, like you said, and people keep bringing themselves, oh, well, we're in place for Queensland. I'm like, that's great when he plays for Queensland. What's he delivering no, I don't for think you? so. I, What's he doing what against I'm, what top I'm four and top eight sides? How often is he Newcastle's best player? Well, a lot of the time when he's on the field, he's their best player. I don't know. He's just not on the field often enough. But they need to make some hard decisions in all areas. They've got Parr in and he, you know, dealt with a shitstorm in his first press conference on multiple levels. But from the top down, there needs to be some hard decisions. Yeah, but he knew the job he was taking on. I don't feel sorry for him. I don't feel sorry for Parr. I don't feel sorry for anyone. Some hard decisions need to be made because it feels like now they've just sort of been in limbo for three years and it's slowly gone backwards. I don't think they've been in limbo. They've had a clear direction for two years. And they've brought players year, in along the way. And it it's gone, even in the first month this year, everyone was waxing lyrical about the job that they were doing there. It's fallen apart since then. No doubt about that. And they haven't played good enough. And their discipline's been shit. Well, what's going in and the, what's the, going the, out yeah. as well for next year doesn't leave me a lot of hope. Like Adam Elliott's been good for the Raiders, don't get me well, wrong. This, this is my point. So he'll help. But Jack Hetherington, again, best is outstanding. Worst is, you know, can be completely off the rail. He's coming off an injury. He's you know, generally suspended every couple of weeks. And, you know, Barnett, Hoy, Milford's only been a drop-in. Mama is going to Parramatta, Suasa, Sousa. Do they get dramatically better? Not really. Have they addressed their seventh situation? Not really. But I think the biggest thing in general is this roster should not be where it is. Because they wanted to run Mitchell Pierce out of town as well, remember? Oh, we're going to get right. rid of Mitchell. This, this and look, look, they've gone backwards since they've let Mitchell Pierce go. 
Let Ponga go and see how far backwards it goes. Minimal effort needs to be there at, at, at the absolute least, and I don't think it's there at Newcastle, and that's a worry. But how this all pans out, like I said... But they've also got a guy like Huth, who was playing against us two weeks ago. Yeah, well, he's a decent hooker. He's a good hooker. They've got players there that and they should be looking Mama at. Momosia was really, really good. Now he's he going to good. Parramatta. Yeah, well, there you go. Zach Hosking ended up at Brisbane. They wouldn't even look twice at him. Now he's going to Penrith. So, yeah. clearly there's some they've problems. Cl- yeah, they've identified that there's some issues in pathways. Like, did they move Alex McKinnon on or did he, he quit? Alex McKinnon. Yeah. He was there in pathways. He was in recruitment, I think, not pathways. Well, that's what I'm saying. But he, he's but did he move on? He's or did out he, of that job. Yeah, did he move on or did uh, they move him on? That's what I'm asking. The way, then yeah, they've got Danny Badiris there. Well, Danny Badiris has sort of moved sideways for Peter Parr to come mm. in and help out. That's what I'm saying. And the like, CEO think... they're talking about is more in the business side of things than he is rugby league. Mm. But this is the point again. Like it's, it's one thing, say you're not producing, clearly you are, but you're not picking the right ones because other clubs are picking them up and doing a good job with them. What's the young halfback that's up at down in Melbourne? That was from Newcastle, right? His dad was his old there. man his left, old though, man so he there. left. So I yeah. think that was my that's what I'm saying. Uh, there's a yeah, but they've had a lot yeah. of different guys in there in well, pathways. Jock Man won their SG Ball Player of the Year and up at the Tigers. Mm. These are the sort of guys that have been the lifeblood of Newcastle previously. As Newcastle kids, they can't even keep Newcastle kids. Mm. This is half the other thing about Newcastle. A lot of the guys they're buying externally, I don't think, have the care factor for that jersey or that town. Like I said to you, I experienced the other week, which is pretty amazing to go on the day right. I did. Given the season they've had and experienced that, I was like, wow, this is really, really great atmosphere. But all their highest paid players are not Newcastle people. I love Newcastle as a club. So, But they need to get back to the roots of what they are. Yeah. yeah. And again, like, how many genuine Newcastle boys are on that site? There's only a handful. Best is one of the first ones in a long time that's sort of come through. The majority of their big names or their top-end players are all external recruits. That wasn't a Newcastle thing back in the day. So they need to get a little bit more going to their pathway. That's for sure. Well, this who, who started all the external recruitment? That was Nathan Brown. He recruited Ponga, but he also fixed their Pretty pathway well, back up. And he got six or seven guys to debut. Mm. So I didn't think he did such a bad job. But I'm not saying he did a bad COVID job. COVID, obviously, as we said for all clubs, put but a hold on a lot winning, of things. When you're winning wooden spoons, you go and you, you grab external players. That's what happens. <clears throat> but at the end of the day, going back to the root issue of this, it's just been a terrible year for them. But this issue with these guys, like... For all that stuff to come out today and, you know, get the RRP out and some place and this is wrong, this is wrong, well, you fucking brought it on yourself. So the fact you've been target tested, like, how are you surprised? Like, I don't, I don't understand. RRPA need to pick their fights. But in this sense for Newcastle, I, I hope, like you said, there's a big turnaround in the off-season and an attitude adjustment in the joint because if not, again, there's going to be more but drastic yeah, change, more to... setbacks, and there's just going to be them in, a, in the hole for another couple of years. Yeah, they need to think about what they can control and they can control that. So they need to fix things and they need to fix it quick. But uh, that's the, the other. The, I don't think there's been enough made either of the fact that he was out on the piss. He should have been up there watching his team play. Well, that's the other thing at that time. That's the biggest so part. A lot of people going, me oh, off. Man's got a soft tissue injury. He should be drinking. I'm like, Kalen Pong is that. He's their captain. S- you know, multiple head knocks in a short space of time. Brain alcohol is not good for brain trauma. And you're the captain. And you're the highest paid player. And I don't care if forget you forget about all that house. shit. He's captain. the game. He should be up there. Watching. He should be traveling. Yeah. There's guys less than I'm traveling every single That's the biggest week. issue that I have with it. So let's, yeah. Moving on from that one. Tackle five. Then there was nine. We thought a few weeks ago we we're going to have a bit of a mad scramble to the end, but after Manly's drama and the way things have panned mm. out for them and the Dragons sort of fallen off the perch, it's basically Canberra now. The last team left with a bit of a run, and as we've seen with the draw, the Roosters' draw is tough, but they've jagged one of those tough wins on the weekend. 
they've got the Tigers this weekend, so realistically, at least for Canberra, there's no option but to just keep winning or win out. I think they're going to have to. They're going to have to win three and rely on the Roosters losing two. Because yeah, if the Roosters do manage to win three, um, and they even win all their games, they still miss out. So. And the thing about the Raiders, much like we said on the weekend, you can't no, trust the Roosters, them. If the Roosters win two or more, the Raiders are out. With what's left, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Even if they win the out four against The Raiders are going to have to go three they have to and win hope out. that the Simple. Roosters only win one. But they showed on the weekend again. Even with a easier draw, they almost blew it. So yeah, that's last weekend. At this, this point, weekend, yeah. you know, I'm hoping it stays as is the eight. Yeah, caref- be careful watch, looking at the draws. But, yeah, Canberra. Um, I think this one will be the most difficult one for the Roosters because this is a game that they're just well not guaranteed to win but everyone is expecting them to win this game you know they're going to get up for the last two it'll just be whether they can you know get the job done here in in this round and like I said we've got some shuffling going on Melbourne obviously pull a good result for them which gives them a buffer with their forward against even if they lose they hold on a top four for now Cronulla have gone even with the Cowboys after their win and loss on the weekend. So the only difference with them now is differential. I don't know if it benefits them, though, because I know a lot of Sharks fans are angry the other week about them not getting a home final, supposedly. But why you've only got a capacity of ten or 11,000, you can't have a home final. No. You can't do it. Like I said, if you're going to do it, I know it's not ideal, but you know, I, I'd, I'd lobby to go to Cogra or somewhere nearby if you can't have it at Shark Park. But, you know... In terms of that for them, you just want to be top four. They're a similar deal. They're drawing the run. Home's pretty easy. They ticked another box on the weekend, so it's looking more likely. Uh, in the bottom end, I guess, it's just shoring up places and impending results. There's still a possibility that Souths or a couple of those teams could sneak into the top four, but I think the only real spot left in the top four would be that Melbourne spot. I'm not sure the other two will fall out. And yeah, Penrith... I agree. No, Penrith I think the top three are in. Yeah, that's what I think as well. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's realistically down to one more spot left in the eight, and... For our last tackle here to finish off, it is our power rankings. Talking about that, brought to you by the Penrith Solar Centre. Don't be sidelined this season by rising power bills. Give a call to the team at Penrith Solar. They are dedicated to giving the highest quality solar solutions and helping get you over the trial line and putting some money back in your pocket. Call them today, 1800 20 29 30, or visit www.penrithsolar.com.au. Number one, I'm not worried about the result. Again, once they get their players back and what they've done this year, it's still Penrith. Well, I'm not, because power rankings are about right now. So, I've got the Sharks at one. All right, well, i got the Sharks at two. I've got the Rabbitohs at two. All right, big they're jump. Off, they're on fire. I think, not not to take away um, from the Roosters, but I, I think this week would have been hard for a lot of the Cowboys players, so I've left them at three. I've got the Storm at three. I've got Souths at four. Roosters at four for me. Roosters at five for me. Panthers at five for me. I've got the Eels at six. I've got the Cowboys at six. I've got the Storm in seventh. I've got the Eels at seven. And I've got the Broncos eighth. Me too. And then on the outside looking, there's only one thing. The Raiders. Mm. So there you go. Wraps up the set of six for this week. Let's jump in and review these games from the weekend. And speaking of a couple of those sides, Storm upset uh, the Panthers. <clears throat> 16 Pretty average game, this one. Yeah, I think the only thing for me, like, again, Panthers people complaining, a couple of friends complaining about the players you've got out, well, welcome to Melbourne's world at this point. Well, welcome to a lot of teams. But yeah. in saying that, and I said it to a few of them because they're defending the result, I'm like, well, clearly it's not a true reflection of both teams right now because they are missing so many players. But at the end of the day, um, you know, shows the difference. I thought they were still very, very good in yeah. terms of yardage and 
defence and they got themselves upfield on Melbourne and built plenty of pressure. They had 50 tackles inside 20, but the difference when you're missing your halves and some quality players is putting the icing on the cake. Uh, the difference was Melbourne's defensive resilience. And they were fantastic. That's their best defensive performance they've had in about six weeks. By more, because the scoreline doesn't do the, their defensive effort justice. No. I know they ended up with zero, but the fact that they can only put 16 on the board wasn't such a slight on their offence. It was the fact that they were doing so much defending. Well, the other thing on the flip side of that that I've said to a few of the Panthers fans, that, oh, we couldn't, you know, we have a half. Why do you argue with Panthers fans? Oh, I work with all of them, but I'm just saying, one of my mates was bringing up the whole thing. Yeah, I halves, our halves. Have your opinion and Hughes don't Pappen has that not playing either. But I think probably you're a more alarming thing about that game on the flip. Not only did they defend so well, considering there was 50 inside 20s, Melbourne opened up six times to one. Yeah. So you know that's why is that alarming? I'm not saying it's alarming, but they're one of the best defensive sides in the competition. But yeah. you talk about your halves not being there for your attack defensively, getting opened up six times is not very common for the Penrith Panthers. So, Munster was obviously outstanding in that role again. Um, you know, it was a bit of a reshuffle for Melbourne or a bit of a rethink to try and spark things. They kept him free and open. Meany slots in on one side. Cheese looked like he was playing an edge at some point. They ran Nelson and Tui on those edges and some bigger bodies to try and isolate some halves. Like, what they did and what they threw out there got the job done. But like you said, I think the most important thing at the end of this for Melbourne is that's the best defensive effort they've had in the last six weeks. Yep. But for and Penrith, and this is same see you come finals time. Just you, this is the be, the benefit of what you've done earlier in the year. You've got these wins yeah. in the bank. You're going to get all your players back, and this result again without all those players, realistically, this game's going to mean jack shit. And means fuck all. So that's why when I had a few of them going this week, I'm like, calm down. Who cares? Like, you're going to get all your players <clears> back. It's two teams missing quality players, and this is why you bank points early. Yeah. So get your halves back healthy. Two bites of the cherry. It meant a lot final. more to Melbourne, and it was clear that, yeah. that's how this game panned it's, out. It's going to be, you know, week one at Blue Bet Stadium for the Panthers, regardless, and they're going to have somebody there. Might, might be Melbourne again, under completely different circumstances. Yeah, maybe. Uh, probably the only thing I sort of took out, which surprised me, we talked about it as well. I really thought they'd be looking more their left side, where they were a bit more stable with Tago and Kikau and get some ball going there and trying to take Cooper Johns and those guys, they really sent obsessed or hooked with something they thought they had on the right side and it did not pay off at all. Mm. I really didn't quite figure that one out. But uh, like we said, awkward game, lots of quality players missing. Disappointing because it's the second time this year. Earlier in the year, they played each other at Magic Round. It was torrential rain. I think Melbourne yeah. had plenty out. So, so you come finals. I'd, I'd really enjoy seeing this one again obviously but with uh, more of the guys on the field and we could potentially see this in the 1v4 match week one. Yep. So if that happens I'll be <laughs> certainly trying to get to the ground at Penrith. Um, but yeah good response. Cheese, Nelson, Olam, all these guys were very very good and uh, for Penrith see what happens as things move on. Warriors, Dogs 42-18. Um, this was again a strange game. Talked about the possibility of an upset we did last week it was it was an awkward turnaround for the Bulldogs and again they've been on a a very very good run but travelling up to Queensland short turnaround they were delayed in Brisbane I think they basically had three days and it, it probably showed a little bit they were a bit no, flat no that that's not an excuse Potsy listen to the press conference Potsy nailed it you, you give the Warriors possession and your discipline's poor and you allow them to build momentum they're a hard team to stop particularly over there in Auckland that was the crowd was going crazy. <clears throat> they got some some energy, and it was almost impossible to stop. And the Bulldogs just contributed to their own downfall. Hmm. Well, I guess the one plus, if I'm a Bulldogs fan again, is they showed that fight to get back to eighteen all. Yeah, they at one did. point there, it looked like it was going to be a bloodbath. I know it got ugly at the end, but 
they pulled themselves back to that point, but I guess that's the disappointing part. After such a poor start and conceding um, some points and a few off their own mistakes, to concede the way they did in that last five or six minutes, three tries, to blow it out the way they did yeah. um, was very disappointing because that scoreline probably isn't a reflection, again, up to the 75th minute of how the I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Game was really going. Yeah. They were right there, but Katawa crashes over to break that deadlock. And then from there, it was a bit of a field day, a bit of Johnson magic. Got two blokes on the inside shoulder. Uh, he had a, a much better night after a pretty rough year. and I think, again, it's it's one of those similar situations where you look ahead to the future and, you know, it's pretty clear in Tohu Harris and Fanua Blake, they've got two great bookends. Johnson, hopefully next year, can find better form. My, my big question, I guess, now with Webster coming and they also signed Nickel Klukstad before he was on the books and before Tamari Martin was confirmed as who partners Johnson next year. Like, they signed Klukstad to be a fullback. Have they signed Martin to be a fullback? Has Martin go to six? They bought Volkman before that to a three-year deal. Like, it's... I think the person is annoying to that I'm going to be very, very interested, given the way they've recruited, which is a bit odd now, given it's one with a coach, without a coach, and now with a new coach again. There's sort of been three key moves. Yeah, key they're positions. accumulating depth. So, yeah, I'll be interested to see how that all pans out. And competition. Out. I've quite enjoyed the way Martin's played at Brisbane in yeah. that fullback role. Um, he can obviously play front line and play at the six, but yeah, if you're buying Klukstad, I'd say his main role is going to be fullback, if not on the wing. But it seems they're pretty well served on the wings at the moment as well. Yeah, so, got some things to sort out in terms of that. But uh, yeah, for the doggies, similar deal. Just keep building towards next year. There's a few of these guys that are going to be moved on. They've got their coach sorted. Uh, again, still wouldn't be surprised if we saw Alamotti, the young centre before the year. Is yeah, out. I don't, Harrison I, don't Edwards know, I don't know about that. He's getting some games now. They've got a couple other guys getting some games. Uh, I wouldn't be rushing anyone back from the Bulldogs. But yeah. I want to start the preseason as fresh as possible. Let's see how this all pans out. South Eels, 26 zip. I think this one just goes to what we talk about most weeks the inconsistency for this team week to week. And the rinse and repeat press conference from Brad Arthur pretty much sums it up. They weren't willing to get physical, they wouldn't play through the middle, and uh, they were beaten to the punch. And, Full credit to Souths. They were outstanding. Um, I, I Again, full credit with Latrell coming back and the spark that he's had. But I, I think the real turning point here is not just him. And obviously, he's given confidence to a lot of guys around him. But their forward pack is certainly growing a leg post-Origin. Like, Totola injured earlier in the year. Murray had shoulder surgery, missed that Origin period. He was hot and cold. Arrow, hot and cold. All those guys have come to the fore in the last month or so, and it's been absolutely outstanding. And, and one the one guy that's been great all year, and again, I'm still very surprised, wasn't looked out for a Blues jersey, Keon Kalamatungi. Um, their forward pack was immense the other night. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, but possession certainly helped that. And Parramatta, again, they attributed to their own downfall. They had no defensive resilience and no discipline. And on the flip of that, that's well, probably... You can talk about physicality all you want, but... Your physicality gets drained when you're doing so much defence and your discipline's shit. 
Yeah. You can't have physicality and defensive resilience for long periods of time against elite teams, particularly the better teams in, in the NRL, when you just continually give them the ball in field position. So, and of course, when they win, of course their physicality was great because A, they won, and B, they probably had more possession and field position than the opposition. It's just, yeah, it's it's not really a, a great insight into the the whys of, of why they find themselves on a 26-0 scoreline. It's, it's an easy one that just washes over with the media, but in the end, it comes back to, like I said, discipline and field position are the two biggest things for Parramatta. And when they get it right, they are very, very difficult to stop because they are able to then, um, you know, impart some of that physicality on you. That's how they like to play. High energy, high physicality, when they become fatigued and that falls away, unfortunately, they're just a shell of themselves. So they, they, whether they can get that right for four weeks, like I've said all year, finals, let's just see what they do come finals. Yeah. Seattle are looking good. Seattle are looking exactly like they have the last two years. They're building into the finals. I'm not shocked at all by what Seattle are doing. Hmm. Well, Hawkins, good fill-in job. Uh, he's a great half. We said that when we played well. him in New South Wales Cup. Like he's, he's an out-and-out out NRL player. Yeah, Cook's confidence has certainly gotten better after Origin as Murray's built up as well. And obviously having Latrell there has sparked up Cody. But yeah, I think the real unsung hero here for them is their forward pack. I don't think they get... Yeah, but even someone like Hawkins sparks up Cody. Because he does the kicking, he does the direction, he plays that Reynolds role. Ilya, it's been difficult with Ilya there because he's a young player learning in first grade. Uh, Hawkins, yeah, he's a little bit more experienced, knows how to get around the field a little bit better. Again, possession and, like you said, Latrell Mitchell being there certainly helps as well. Yeah, well, like I said, mate, they're, they're certainly trending in the right direction. I guess the upside for them as well. Still no Burgess. Ilias did miss the game and they get Campbell Graham back in a few weeks. So. And what happens when someone punches them in the face? Because at the moment, they're, they're the bully. Let's see what happens when they get in the game and they get bullied a little bit. See how they, they react to that. And they're going to get that. Particularly, I think, with the Roosters in that opening of, of Allianz, the new Allianz Stadium. That's going to be a really, really good test for the for the Rabbitohs heading into the finals. I'm really looking forward to that game. Mm, should be good. Uh, for the Eels, the Moses situation, he was named this week now, we know, but they're saying that's no guarantee. Again, that's no excuse for the performance they put up here. Um, not a great week for them, but we'll see what they dish up this week again. The, the yo-yo effect sort of just continues. Mm. Roosters-Cowboys, 32-18. Um, Teddy's 200th, and I... I Rightfully so. He, he was at his best, as he always is, breaking tackles and plenty involved. But I think, again, looking at a team building nicely, the addition of Matt Lodge has just been brilliant for them. Jared coming back healthy. The combination of the platform that they've built and laid. Radley had one of his better games. I thought his year in general with injury suspension and form has been a bit hot and cold. And again, quality players and quality moments for the Roosters has been the story, as well as defensively getting better, which is a key heading into finals over this period and, you know, finding ways to incorporate Manu, not just having him parked out on the edge, getting Sawali more involved, seeing the confidence come back in Kiri, less pressure on Walker, Verrill's having better moments. As all these boxes get ticked and they keep going, the big question is, can they stay healthy? Because yeah, if they stay I, healthy... I thought the turning point for their season was that game out here at Penrith. Was there that night. God, they were tough that night. Sam Walker was really, really good. I think they've just built ever since that game. I'm not even sure they've lost since then. 
they have one now five on the trot, the Roosters, and yeah, they're looking really, really good. Mm. Like I said, all those sort of key areas are coming together. I was, I was worried about Kiri, and he's played some good games now, and Verrills couldn't stay on the field. He's playing better football now. Lodge has certainly steadied up their middle. Crichton's coming to a better patch form. Radley's in better form. Getting, like we said, Sawali involved as well as Tedesco, Sawali, um, Manu, etc., floating around the field. And then their bench, if they can get Collins back and have Tokiaho there healthy and on best form to strengthen their bench, they, it's a real good one to 7-8. Yeah, the Roosters, just, the Roosters haven't lost a game since that day. Yeah. So there you go. So I think for them, similar deal. They, they get the ideal run in. They're getting a hard run in. They've yeah. got to play all the teams around them and in the top eight heading into the finals. So we're going to know who the Roosters are come yeah. week one. They're going to play South. Tiger Storm Penrith. South. They've got to play Melbourne. They've just played the Cowboys. You know, they've, they've played all these teams on the run in. It's a nice so run in. Certainly getting themselves prepped for the finals. And, you know, if they get in, they deserve their spot after the way they start the year. Oh, I think there's no doubt. That's they'll, for sure. They'll be in. I'd be shocked if Canberra get in now. Yeah. It'll not... make nice theatre for it to get to be close. Mm. But for the Cowboys. Yeah, I think the Roosters are clearly a better side than the Raiders. Yeah, for the Roosters, obviously, I know Green was involved with Robinson and he played a little bit there, but I think this week in particular, and it's no excuse in general, but it really would have hit hard for the, a lot of the Cowboys people, I think, the Paul Green situation. 100%. Um, no doubt. So I'm not that. making that an excuse, but yeah, there's still some guys there from his time that would have been recruited or come through the pathways with him, so I have no doubt it would have been uh, a big shock and probably a hard week to play rugby league, but yeah, it wasn't a great day for them. They got busted open plenty. Um, they're on the back foot for the most part of the game. They missed 42 tackles. It was certainly an off week. People doubting or riding them off at this point in time, I think, do that at your own peril. You know, honestly, I, I don't see them as a team that's going to go bang, bang, suddenly out the back door. Do, do I see them as a genuine premiership threat? I don't know. Like on, on their day, could they beat anybody? 100% they could. But I think the best thing for them, and I said this earlier in the year when they started to build in this good patch of form, is this team they've got together, the contracts they've got right now, and the situation they're in, is that next year they're basically going to bring back all these guys and have another 12 months. Mm. You get in these situations at times where, you know, your window opens only temporarily or you're building that, or, you know, or you've got a year and that's about it. They're, they're building nicely. They've yeah. got more coming into the system. They're in a good situation where they can sort of open up a nice window here for multiple years. So if you can strike early, it's always good. But we've even seen it at Penrith. No one expected that year in 2020. They capitalised it on year two. Next year is obviously going to be harder and players are going to hawk around their, their troops and some of their younger guys because they've been successful. But I, I don't necessarily think, again, that if they weren't to go well in the finals this year or it wasn't a successful finals campaign, that that would be the end. I think their window's just starting to open up. Mm. So um, off a one-out game, I think maybe a little bit of overreaction for some people to say that they're going to be a team that gets barreled out the back door, especially if they get a home final. I think for them... Talking about Cronulla and the possibility that they don't get home final. If I'm the Cowboys, I want to make sure we get home final week one. North Queensland has not been an easy place for anyone to go play. I'd be shocked year. if they didn't. So, with what they've got left, um, games-wise, I don't think they've got an easy run, do they? No idea. Cowboys, who have they got this week? On my sheet here, I don't know what I've bloody written. I can't read it. Can't read your own writing. Ah, it's dark in here, mate. Yeah, right. So, I don't know who they're playing, in all honesty. No, they've got the Warriors. So if they beat the Warriors this week... They're top four. Uh, they've got two games to go. Them and Cronulla will be the ones racing home for that second spot, so we'll see how that pans out. But, um, yeah, for the Roosters, obviously, like we said, building nicely. Sharks, Tigers, I think this one, again, for the Sharks side of things, no offence to Tigers, is 
just a box ticking exercise and the fact that they've got Talakai out, Katoa, Moylan, <laughs> Kennedy, Tracy, um, and they lose Rudolph during it to have no issue and do what good teams should do, um, especially given the way their run home is. It's, it's as simple as that. Get the wins, get the results, hopefully get through without any injury. Unfortunately, they did get one. Get these guys back come finals time and put yourself in a position to have two bites of the cherry, which right now it's almost looking a fade to complete. It's just a matter of whether they go top two, as we said, which I don't know if the home final is going to benefit them anyway. Um, regardless, top four and two chances is what you want, and that, that's where they're at. Yeah, Nico has obviously been really good during this period without Moylan. I think Trindle's done a good job. Probably the biggest thing I've taken out of this is it's nice to see Dykes have his moments and um, you know the, the growth of some of the younger guys like your Wiltons and people getting their opportunities and Miller playing a couple of games. But I think the bigger part to see was more out of their nine situation. I think Braley in particular in this run that they've had the last month or so has become more involved and having more class touches or more moments in games. And he had some good moments again the other night. And Ueli and Hunt had a field day. A couple of big boy crash overs made an impact on the game. Um, yeah, unfortunately for the Tigers, it's a bit of the same old, same old, and looking towards next year, a mad Monday and all that sort of stuff. There's not much more I can say. Yeah. Wasn't a great day. It got testy at the end, in particular with <laughs> Naden. Um, but yeah, Tigers made a lot of errors, struggled, had uh, some pretty soft tries conceded, and even the Tigers were the Tigers. Man in the bin, they sort of struggled to take advantage. So <clears throat> yeah, yeah, pretty much sums up. Sharks got the job done for the Tigers, unfortunately. But moving on from that one. Broncos, Newcastle, again, thought this one could have gone anywhere after a sloppy start by the Broncos. They get to 18-0 at halftime, but sort of the trend continues. That The defensive attitude and that resolve and sort of that resilience they had for that really good period during the middle of the year um, is worryingly sort of faded away. And Newcastle got a couple of soft tries to pull themselves back within reach, but the boot of Reynolds saved them again. Cobo ends up with a treble. Um, and it's a good win to sort of solidify the position after a few shaky weeks. But, yeah, if they, if they go into the finals, I guess, sort of playing the way they have right now and they run into a Roosters or a South Week 1, I think it'll be season over. So for them, they've got to arrest a little bit of that defensive side of things, I think, more than anything come week one of the finals. The attack is still there when it needs to be. They, they probably could have banked more points, to be fair. And having Mam and Reynolds and the way that's come along, Martin certainly made a difference coming back in. They'll get Carrigan and that back in. But the biggest side of this is where their defence has gone. If they defend the way they've been defending come finals time. Yeah, I think they'll find it come finals time. Yeah. That's uh, probably been the biggest concern during this period. Mm. It's uh, certainly gone missing or a little, a little bit of that want and a bit more attitude and a bit more hunger. But for Newcastle, like we said, it's been a nightmare sort of period. More players going to be missing this week. Um, and this game... Pretty much just another one for them. Chipping towards the back end where, like we say, I, I guess my only other question for them right now is if Milford's moving on, why are you still playing him? Well, if you don't have an idea yet about what you're going to do with a Phoenix Crossland and if you've extended Simi Sasagi who comes to the grades playing to the halves, he's not a seven per se, but I don't know what their, their goal is for him now. They've used him as a centre, as a utility off the bench. Like if, if their goal is still for him to be what he was, which was a six coming to the grades... Put him in now and put Cullen at seven. Like You're getting no value by playing Milford now. He's leaving. If you don't know what you're going to do with the Phoenix, play him in the halves. Yeah. Or you don't know what you're going to do. I, sometimes I just don't understand clubs when they do this sort of stuff. Mm. The only thing to be gained now is making solidifying what you want to do with a couple of guys that you're not contracted to yet or not sure of. So that, yeah. that's about where they're at for the back end of the year. There's no benefit in playing Anthony Milford anymore. Raiders, Dragons... 
24-22. We talked about it before. The, the irony in this result um, was absolutely crazy. But for Canberra, same old, same old. Just the Jekyll and Hyde in, in their attitude and what they do in games. They score in the first minute to start. You think they're going to go on a bit of a run. Amon strikes twice. They then pull themselves back in front with some good football. Savage coming back in, a bit of an X factor for this team. Brings a lot of spark, come up with some nice moments. And, uh, you know, second half again, score in the first minute, kick in behind there. Hopawade crashes over, and you think they might go on with it. But uh, Amon again scores a hat trick, finds his best in first grade, comes up with a nice pass for Fine to get them in the game right at the end there when they had the opportunity to lock it up. And then obviously we have that breakaway where. Probably the one upside, I guess, for Canberra is in the critical moment. I saw seven or eight green jerseys in the picture, and I saw no red ones. Mm. Um, V&A couldn't find a pass, couldn't get the ball out, and then we obviously have the irony, like you said, of the moments where people are calling for whether it's a penalty or whether it's this or that, but they're one apiece, realistically, uh, where they both maybe right. should have been got a penalty, and sporting karma evens everything out then, yeah. which wow. somehow happens. Mm. But I guess for Canberra, no Tarpany, no Kotrick. No Ricky Stewart, the week they've come off the back of. They did their best to lose that one, but at the end of the day, they won. And that's as simple as it is. Keeps them alive. They needed to win. They've got an opportunity. Um, they're still kicking, but yeah. thought Hudson Young has been really good. Um, Elliot has been good all year. Papali without Tarpany. Sutton's moment there with the charge down. Good effort playing. Savage again. They've obviously made a move to lock him up for a couple of years and when he's there, I guess you got to take the good with the bad because he's learning in first grade, similar deal, but he's certainly got plenty of talent. Yeah. Um, on the Dragon side of things, I think this is just another one of those moments, again, where it frustrates me where you see now that they've invested a few games in a moment last year, stuck solid with him the whole way this year for 20-plus games, and you sort of start to see the fruit of him playing some first grade. And then, again, I, I don't understand with your buyers, your Woods, and some of these guys what they're, what they're doing, what their plan is. Um, and now that they're out again for the back end of this year, if they're not willing to look, it's just collecting at those guys, collecting I don't get players it. without a plan. Well, similar deal again. Like moving towards next year, I don't really understand what they're going to do. I don't think they've actually signed anyone, so no, nothing really changes. They've got a tight cap. <laughs> they've picked up guys on the bonus to try and cover in some holes, but Sims will go, Maguire goes, and there's nothing coming in. They've still got other guys off contract. And their cap situation's not great because they've paid up for Jack DeBellin and Lomax and a couple of guys on hefty dollars. And, you know, the, the decision this week apparently has been approved to table another big offer to Ben Hunt to extend him, which would surely see, I guess, maybe a Sullivan head for the door and, and a moan they managed to get to extend for one more year. But I guess that shows him maybe being a little bit tentative to not want to extend much further than a year to scope out the situation where they're at and probably again goes back to the original comments from Hook that I'm a development coach and they want to develop what they had within and I think they've done the complete opposite of that. They've developed them own. They've developed nobody else. They've brought in old recycled players on bargain contracts, sure, that other clubs are chipping in for, but I don't see where the growth is. I really don't. It's fair. So um, it's it's hard to see quite what the plan is there, but frustrating for Dragons uh, fans, obviously. The last one of the round, probably frustrating for you, is the Titans, 44 to 24. Over Manly. <laughs> we still conceded. And no Tino players. played. So I'm just, yeah. I was blown away. Like that. Why are you blown away? It wasn't so much the Titans, it was Manly. Oh. Manly uh, struggling both with cohesion and yeah, all the stuff that's going up. off field. And then they're struggling for players, quality. And 
Yeah, like you just said, they, they, they probably have packed it up. Well, they certainly have, and I think, like you said, there's little spot fires going on everywhere from that moment. And the moment Titans love a game week. where they can rack up some points and things. They like a basketball match. They don't want to punch in the face and a grinding type game. They want to. They want a cricket score. They want a basketball game. You score, I score. You score, I score. You score, I score. That's and in the end, that's why they sit where they sit. I I, tr- I truly believe the Titans deserve the wooden spoon more than the Tigers. Because I think the Tigers have shown more resilience and fought a lot harder in in their games than what the Titans have. Hmm. Well, at this point in time, where does this put you? One clear, so it's the Tigers. No, still. I think we're equal on for and against now, aren't we? Equal on wins, and we're ahead of them just on for and against. I thought they got you clear, and that yeah, obviously I think it's equal wins. They fought for that Cowboys result, obviously, because they probably they should have had the Cowboys. Yeah, result, well, there you go. Like, that realistically there, and the, the the irony of this all again is that early in the year you guys got them at the death in that game, which is another one, which put you in this situation, right? Yeah, here. I don't care if we. If we avoid the spoon, I think we... Right at this point in time, I think we deserve it. You've got the Dragons this week, so that's another winnable game. Yeah. But, yeah, uh, I guess for the Titans side of things and some some fans or yourself, the frustration probably to see that style of football, though, and guys playing the way they did. And I know, like you yeah, said... Yeah, that style of football doesn't win every week. No, no, but it the, doesn't. The, but the, I, the I issue is, is that we've got of... one style. We've got one style. You didn't we see don't know any, how to win a grinding game. You didn't see any upside again after a few weeks now no. of Boyd and no. Brimson no. playing I, together and Campbell no, and your back goals. Like, Absolute fool's I'm not goal. saying it's not fool's goal, but you haven't yeah. seen any improvements. Or no, any I hate these subtleties. games. Both teams are just pissing in the wind, really. They're, they're not playing now. They're not playing a style now that they're going to be playing at the start of next year when the pressure's on, put it that way. No, well, you've got four. So I, that's why I, yeah, I, I just don't read anything into it. For, for Manly, I guess, again, this, this is a big big thing to be sorted in the off season it's all sort of boiled from this moment onwards the vibe within the group um, they've had some injuries we've said it for years now every year if Tom's out or Cherry Evans is out they've got too much of their cap tied up in a couple of players they've got no depth and a similar situation is coming for them um, they're in a situation where they had no money to offer foreign but the guy they've got to replace him isn't even playing and there's issues behind the scenes with him um, I think know. also like this time of the year a lot of the times when the when bottom sides play each other, they're actually more entertaining games than what when top eight sides or teams are on the fringe because it's a very nervous time for teams who are in the eight and in the four and teams that are trying to get in. Whereas these teams, they, the pressure's off. They're actually, it actually becomes a little bit easier for them to relax and just and, and play footy and it probably is a little bit more entertaining for fans. Mm. But yeah, for me, like I said, it's, it's going to be interesting how this plays out. Des will obviously miss the target that he had given for a contract extension, probably not to a fault of his own with the whole way this is all played out. But, yeah, it's, it's been a rough few weeks. And then, obviously, the decision came through now that uh, Fainu, his court date went through and he was found guilty pretty much Shocking. straight away. So they've been waiting on a few years for this situation to be resolved and uh, they've held and held and held. And now he's not going to be there. There was obviously the other bit of drama coming out of this is the concern about the whole postcode gang stuff and they're thinking that Olakowatu threw up a sign or something for Manasi like yeah I think for Manly again similar to a Newcastle at the moment the blows just keep on coming in all facets yeah. so it's going to be a big off season and a very interesting off season but yeah. again like we said Tapau tried to move can't keep him for him they have no money for the same three guys are locked up taking up almost 30 plus percent of their cap with 27 to fit in and the only player coming in the door next year is a, is a Tuolagi so 
Walker, I think, will be an underrated loss for them. He's been really, really good off the bench. Foreign's best form the last two years, I think, has helped out DC and those around them. Off contract, like a guy like Andrew Davey, I don't care how old that bloke is, he's a good footballer. I think Davey could be a handy pickup for someone. But if they don't even have money in the cap to keep him around, he wouldn't be costing you an arm and a leg. I'd, I'd, you know, mm. I, I think clubs could do worse in terms of someone in your top 30 than an Andrew Davey. But yeah, Manly, I think, yeah, it's getting harder and harder. I just don't know what they've done with their salary cap. I really don't buy those three guys because they've clearly got themselves in a shit situation. Yeah. Um, but yeah, for Desi, this has certainly not been an ideal end to the back end of the season. But the Titans, like you said, for now, on for and against, got themselves out of that hole. A few games coming up uh, here. So let's see who ends up with that wooden spoon. But that wraps up views of the games for this week. Let's uh, do a preview thanks to bluebet.com.au. Can have a bet with anyone, do it with bluebet.com.au. Download the app today or visit the website. And in all NRL games this weekend, back a team head to head. And if they lead by six or more at halftime, Bluebet will pay you out as a winner up to $100 in winnings. Lead by six at halftime, you win. Terms of supply, gamble responsibly. And uh, I'm thinking for the charity bet this week that I'm going to ride the Dave train again. There you go. They're playing Newcastle. Newcastle's. In absolute rabbles at the moment. Actually, no, not sorry. You're playing the Dragons. But they had Josh Maguire parked on that edge last week. So, mm. I don't know. I, I don't know if I want Josh playing on an edge at this point in his career against a guy like David Fafita. So, if they can get the football there, I, I think old Dave might find a bit of love this week. Mm-hmm. So, I'm throwing that out there. That's going to be my charity bet with bluebet.com.au this week, probably. I think Big Dave. There you go. Hopefully, uh, some cash going into the bank for our charity, The Bears of Hope. Um, but let's have a look at these team lists and these games and this preview, thanks to bluebet.com.au. Kicks off Thursday. Souths up against the Panthers. Um, in terms of changes, there's a few ins here. Latrell Mitchell, despite that concern the other day, they're saying he's good to go. <laughs> Campbell Graham returns, so he moves back into the centres. Paulo goes back to the end. Isaac Thompson drops back to the reserves. Ilias is named back in the seven, but Thomas Burgess still remains out. Saluka so Fafita is back in the starting side after missing the last game, and Harme Sele goes to the bench. And for the Panthers, Dylan Edwards has been named. Charlie Staines goes back to the bench. Jennings to 18th man. Liam Martin's named despite that ankle injury. And Sanuya Taruvia keeps his spot on the wing with Taylor May still out for another week. Uh, obviously, given the troops missing, I think this is a must win for South. Yeah, Rabbitohs. Uh, to keep that momentum going and a slim hope of. Top four, I guess, but it, it, there's a hope and they're in good form. They need to keep winning. So Definitely. Um, yeah, they, they couldn't be getting Penrith at a better time and couldn't be in better form themselves. And Bluebet.com.au agrees they're a $1.57 favourite. The Bunnies, the Panthers, two forty. The line is minus three and a half for that clash. The early Friday game, the Cowboys go back home to Queensland Country Bank Stadium up against the Warriors. Kyle Felt returns on the wing after missing a couple of games. The Hammer goes back to the bench. Tanoa Brown goes to 18th man. McLean is back into the starting side. Hess to the bench. And no surprise, Stacey Jones named the same 17 from that big win last weekend. Um, Cowboys. Cowboys going back home. You have to go yep. with the Cowboys. I know the Warriors showed some good spark there. But like I said, the difference between home and away and the back end of the season here, I, I think the best efforts we're going to keep seeing from well, them are any time. Who's got more to play for? Oh, 100%. And now that their home finals in jeopardy, they need to win. 
So I'm with you there. Uh, and the bookies agree again at bluebet.com.au. They're a $1.09 favorite, the Cowboys. The Warriors, $7.50 minus 19.5. The line there. So a very, very hefty start on the Warriors side of things. Friday night, blockbuster up at Suncorp. It's the Broncos up against the Storm. Uh, no changes for that Broncos side that won last weekend. Kobe Hetherington was cleared despite his head knock. So James Ryan James goes to the bench. And for the Storm, they've named Jerome Hughes, but the, listening to Craig Bellamy today, he said if he's not good to go, it's no use playing him. We're worried about finals, not injuring him now. So it doesn't sound like they're very confident despite naming him. So mm. you could probably assume that that reshuffle will happen again um, with Munster and Johns, etc. Felice Cafusi is still obviously missing with the passing of his father. Young Tanamapaya is named to start in the centres this week. and Marion Seve is out with a hamstring injury. So... Uh, this is an interesting one, I think. Yeah, I'm going Melbourne. They've got the wood on Brisbane. Yeah, Until Brisbane beat them. Yeah, and then I'll believe it. I think this will be very close, though. So do I, especially like we said. If, if Hughes is out, Munster back to one, Meany and Johns again, that whole situation will definitely come down to the forward battle. Um, but yeah, I'll slightly lean towards the storm at this point in time. And the bookies agree at bluebet.com.au. $1.50 favourite are the storm. The Broncos at this point are 260. Minus five and a half is the line there. Eels, Dogs, this was a game where all the momentum and, and things just turned around for the Bulldogs uh, when they towed up Parramatta last time. And this is one of those ones, again, like the Tigers game where Parramatta's going to look back and go, that one and that one, probably the difference between us being the top four side. Yeah. So this week, we again, the time though, didn't we? which which version of Parramatta are we going to see? We, we, we just never know. But in terms of players, Moses has been named, but again, today... Listening to Arthur didn't sound awfully confident. They won't risk him if they have to. So Arthur goes to the reserve list for the time being. Bailey Simonson's also among the reserves, so a possible late inclusion. And for the Bulldogs, there's a couple of big names on their extended squad list. Luke Thompson is named for the first time in a long time. And Tavita Pungai Jr. is also on that reserves list. So possibly a couple of late changes there. Matt Burton was not suspended. He accepted a fine last week. And otherwise, they're running out the same side, but... I think there'll be plenty of effort again, but the Eels have got more to play for. Definitely, so, Eels. At home. Embarrassed last time. Have to have a bit of a B under their bonnet, and bluebet.com.au agrees. A dollar thirty-three favourite are the Eels. The Bulldogs, 3.35 minus 9.5 is the line there. Manly up against the Sharks at Four Pines, or good old Brookvale. Uh, interested to see what Manly side turns up this week, because it was rough last week, and Tolatau Kolo shifts to the wing. Saab is out with that ACL injury. Morgan Harper returns in the centres. Trebojevic is obviously out as well. He broke his hand. Dylan Walker will start at lock, and Ethan Bullimore comes to the bench. For the Sharkies, Toby Rudolph faces a month at this point in time, it looks, with a medial injury. Hamlin Ueli will start, uh, and Andrew Fafita will come onto the bench after missing the last game. Sifatalakai has still not been named, but Connor Tracy returns and Matt Moylan also returns for the first time in a few weeks, pushing Braden Trindle and Matt Nikavalu out of the side from last week. Um, despite all those changes, again, I think Sharks just keep winning. Yeah, agree. Um, Manly at this point in time, I think it's as much like we said off field and everything going on as it is on field. And I think they're just looking for the finish line. Um, yeah, unfortunately for Manly fans out there, but the odds with this one with bluebet.com.au. Sharks a dollar twenty seven, Manly three eighty minus eleven and a half, is the line 
in that one. And the Roosters, as we spoke about, have to keep winning. 7.30 Saturday night at the SCG. Locked inside. Still missing Collins and Toki Aho, but they've been going very, very good with that 17, and they're rolling out the same one again. Um, funnily enough, Oliver Gilder comes across from the Tigers, has a bit of time in that system, and he grabbed five tries last week while playing for North. Mm. So he's been promoted inside the 22 against the club that loaned him out in the Tigers. So I, I highly doubt he's a late inclusion unless there's an injury in their back line, but obviously uh, reaping the benefits of being in a different system, as is David Nofaluma at this point in time. Definitely. Uh, but on the Tigers' side of things, Kemma Marlow returns from injury. Stafford Tulla pushes uh, to the centres now with that happening, and James Roberts drops out. Safarth has been added to the bench. Peachy back to the reserves, and they're still without Yutu Kamana and Luke Brooks, who are both not expected back until at least round 24 at the earliest. But again, with the way their season's finishing off, I don't know why you bring them back. No. Just put a line through them for the rest of the season. Um, I know, like you said, Roosters at times, I guess, can be a little bit complacent or things may um, you know, look like they're just going with emotions. I, I think they'll really want to rack up a score this week. So I'm, I'm going That's with the Roosters. That's I just said that they. This is going to be the hardest one for them to get yeah. up for, because they're expected to win. I expect, and I, I do expect them to win. I think it's going to be big, real big. So we're both on the chooks. Bluebet.com.au agrees. They're a dollar oh five bank interest. The Tigers, ten dollars minus twenty two and a half, is the line there. And the Sunday double to finish off. The Dragons are at home, at wind. They've had a good run there this year. Up against the Titans. Anthony Griffin is stuck with the same side that pushed Canberra last round. Jaden Sullivan is included among the reserves returning from a shoulder injury. For the Titans, Tino is back, pushing Jared Wallace to the reserves. Aaron Clark stays at hooker. Uh, and Tanner Boyd and AJ Brimson play in the halves again. So on that one, like I said, uh, I know their record's been very, very good there, but I think the Titans can get their second win of the season. Second win of the season. I'm not the second. Fifth win of the season. Second in a row, mate. Yeah. I'm going to stick with the Titans. I've got no idea. I'll back the Dragons. Yeah, well, you haven't, haven't gone wrong many times this year at Wynn Stadium the with the Dragons and especially Ben Hunt, who I probably forgot to mention before. I had another cracker again the other day. He kicked the 20-40-20. I'm um, interested to see if he takes that contract off or how that situation pans out. Um, but, yeah, let's see what the bookies with Blue Bet say for this one. The Dragons, $1.55 favourite at home. The Titans, $2.45 outside on minus four and a half is the line there. In the last game of the round, God knows what you're going to get from Newcastle, but they're at home. Four o'clock up against the Raiders, who need to keep winging and uh, a swag of changes, like we said, Best and Tuala both stood down. They're going to be playing New South Wales Cup. Edric Lee's back on the wing. Christian Mapapalengi gets his NRL debut in the centres. David Clemmer. Should be back on deck, and Jacob Safidi shifts to lock for the Raiders. Joseph Tarpany has been named for now uh, with that rib injury, so we'll wait and see come game day if he plays. Emre Gula would go to the bench if that's the case. Ryan Sutton drops to the reserves. Nick Cottridge returns uh, for one after his game out, pushing Albert Hopawada out of the side, and Ricky Stewart is welcomed back after his suspension as well. Um, for Newcastle, yeah, it's Starting to get a bit lean uh, with all these issues and injuries. The forward pack still looks pretty good, but if you, you have to stick with the Raiders again, given what they've got to play for, surely. 100%. Whether this could be one of those days where a team that's gone through a lot of hardship can galvanise and pull an well, upset. Particularly like you said at home. Yeah. 
Or, I'm still taking it. Oh, sorry, it's, it's yeah. It's in Newcastle. It's in it? Newcastle, yeah. but if there's anything they could probably dish up for their fans, you'd like to see a lot more effort this week, for the given what's been going on. But dish it up for the fans. Dish it up. I don't know if they've got many more home games, uh, or if this is one of their last ones. But I think they certainly are giving it a red hot crack. Next week they're away to you guys, and in the final round of the season, they're home against the Sharks. So yeah, it's uh, probably a, a good opportunity to have a crack in front of their fans. Mm. But the odds with bluebet.com.au for the final game of the round, the Raiders are dollar thirty to favourite. The Knights three forty. Minus nine and a half is the line there. So, uh, interesting, interesting, interesting. But a couple of good clashes again in the run home. There's a lot of these finals teams playing each other this week, obviously. Storm, Broncos, South, Panthers. And then we've got a couple of teams, like we said, still jockeying for positions to solidify top four, top eight. That Roosters Raiders race. Keep our eyes on the Raiders um, as they try to fight their way in. But. It's right around the corner. I think finishing up here, we're still waiting for an announcement of the grand final. Well, yeah. They were speaking they today that, that it was, was going to happen tonight. Sorted out, but nothing's been announced. They're going to hold off till tomorrow now. And Is that what they said? It seemed the further and further things go along, New South Wales government just continually fumbles and fumble fumbles. thing and keep pushing the NRL's buttons. And I, I think Volandis is seems like he's doing his best to try and meet them halfway or meet them somewhere to keep the game here. But I, I, I think it's a really big chance it ends up in Queensland. So do I, yeah. Uh, given what's played out. But I'd like to know because we're obviously stadium members and that's why we got our stadium memberships for the Origins and the Grand Finals. But if the Grand Finals mm. not going to be it's basically pointless in the end. Mm. We've got one game out of it. That's right, yeah. So I'd be filthy if that was the case. But again, if the NRL are getting stuffed around after... Handshake agreements and heads of agreements and paperwork. If they had some things in place and the government's literally gone back and I'd be pissed as well. Yeah. So if I can cover my losses and prove a point or try and prove a point from a business perspective, well, I, I probably, probably wouldn't blame that at all. No. But um, fingers crossed it does stay in New South Wales. I really, really missed not being able to go last year. But for now, that wraps us up for another week. Thanks to everybody for listening. And again, I want to reiterate the point made earlier um, about the Paul Green side of things. Extremely sad. And if you are struggling, Please talk to somebody, friends, family, or again, those services that are out there, you know, Lifeline, Got You For Life, Beyond Blue, That there's lots of things available, but please, um, if you are struggling, try to talk to somebody, try to get some help. Um, you know, it's there's nothing wrong with speaking. Sometimes something so simple um, can lift a bit of weight off your shoulders. I know it's, it's a tough thing for people to do, but it, it may just be the start of something and, and some progress and heading in the right direction, but... On top of that, thank you to Penrith Solar Centre. Again, there is no one better. Those prices are going to keep going up. The best investment you can make in your home and for your back pocket, contact them today, 1800 20 or visit the website and uh, bluebet.com.au for supporting our charity. And uh, hopefully we can win some more cash for the Bears of Hope. Download the app today and visit the website and hijack.tv. You can get that on the Apple or Google Play stores. We're hopefully going to get a couple of games back on board at the back end of the year once we're done with our coaching commitments. Well, you're so, done. You're done. Yeah, I'm still coming with you and working, yeah. but I'm not calling on my own, mate. It's a lot of blank space to fill. Yeah, no, I get that. That's more what I'm saying. This has obviously been uh, a very busy period, but... Two weeks to go. Yeah, we'll, we'll squeeze some games in on the run home. So get on that app if you already haven't. Follow us. We've still got a pretty good following considering we've only done a handful of games and we'll have a beer with you and have a chat for a couple of the games on the back end of the year. But for now, 
that wraps us up for another week. So enjoy your week and enjoy your rugby league. Bring it on. Give us more. Give us more. Where are you going? Where, what, 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 what's going on here? Is that it? Is that it? Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.